Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. Everybody feel good in your soul? Amen. We didn't get power to the boat until about 9.30, so it was a little, I was a little, uh, was all a little excited, but it turned out good. Amen? All right. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to start here, and um, this morning I just want to talk about vision. I want to talk about imagineering and all those kind of things. And so uh, really just want to try to put legs to what we pinned down, uh, really a prophetic statement that I wrote um, about what we want to see our city become. How many believes that uh, it's prophecy? Amen. And so we have some guests with us this morning from uh, Brunswick. Now, they charismatic. I told them, I said, put all your... Y'all know the difference between Pentecostals and charismatic. Pentecostals say Holy Ghost. Charismatics say Holy Spirit. Pentecostals jerk. Charismatics do the shake, you know. And so I said, leave your shofars. They got like flags and all that out there in the vehicles. I mean, 30-foot flags. Wait, no, I'm cutting up. It's good to have them here. They've been friends with Catherine and I for a long time. So um, we got Miss Dayon. You can raise your hand so the people see. And then Miss Jeannie. It's uh, her birthday, and what she wanted for her birthday was to come to Cornerstone and to come see John and Kat. So they've been with us all weekend. So good to have you here. Amen. So uh, we're glad to have y'all. We're glad to have you. And so um, I want to read a statement that Bill Johnson wrote, and it says this. It says, if you look at the past long enough, you will become a monument instead of a movement. How many knows if your memories are greater than your vision, you've already begun to die? I said, if your memories are greater than your vision, are greater than your dreams, you've already begun to die. So listen to this. Uh, I've read this statement uh, tons of time. I was, I was writing my notes out yesterday, and, th- and then this morning I began to uh, write my notes out, and I said, I think I got some notes on my iPad. And so I pulled out my, and we pray it don't die here. We're like on 10%. But anyhow, <laughs> I pulled up my notes uh, that I had typed out, and it was July the 25th is when I began to type these notes, July the 25th, 2018. So one year, God's still speaking the same thing. How many knows that? We got one message. You just got to put it in a thousand hours or, 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 or a million hours or whatever it is. And so, um, but listen to this. On December the 15th, 1966, Walt Disney died. Five years after his death, his greatest dream of all was actualized on October the 1st, 1971. Walt Disney World officially opened in Orlando, Florida. Walt's brother Roy presided over the ribbon-cutting ceremony, and in the midst of the celebration, somebody came up to him and said, it's too bad Walt couldn't be here to see this. Roy responded and said he did see this, and that's why you can see it today. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul said that I labored till Christ be formed in you. How did he labor among them? By speaking the words of the kingdom. As he spoke the words of the kingdom, Christ was formed in the hearers of his people. And so this morning, my job and what I hope to do is I want to form something on the inside of you. Come on, somebody. It's not necessarily to get excited about a mission, but to get to, to have vision. And vision is not when you can recite a statement. A parent can do that. But vision is when you actually see it in your mind, in your heart. The eyes of your understanding are open, Ephesians 1, and you begin to see the possibilities. It's when you ride through our downtown area and you see the uh, uh, you see pl- places of depravity, but you see the kingdom uh, coming in that. Now, uh, Dayon, she uh, has a unique job. She works for the Jekyll Island Foundation, and, and so she began to tell me about some things that she was listening to by Grandma. Cook, and I thought about this, you know, because some of the things I want to share this morning. And you was telling me the story about Graham Cook, how he's talking about city transformation and things like this, and that he saw a piece of ground in 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 the city, in his city. He saw a piece of ground, and he began to prophesy to this company. 
And he began to prophesy to the leaders of this company that, that they were to buy this piece of ground. And the company said that they didn't want to buy the ground. The guy said, I'm not going to buy the ground. So he began to write letters. And, and so with every letter he wrote, increase came to that company. So one of the things that he, she was saying is that we can't get frustrated because we don't see things happen immediately. Come on now. That God is a farmer. The kingdom doesn't, the kingdom doesn't happen suddenly. And I know that there's suddenly, there are suddenlies that happen and miracles that happen, but a lot of time, the suddenlies are preceded by months and seasons of sowing and steadfastness at a place of prayer, believing God to do those things. And so finally, he just kept writing and he kept writing. And every time he would write, sales would go up, increase would happen. And finally, this guy caught, this guy tells him, would you stop writing the letters? Because now we have no more, what? There was no more room left or whatever, no more capacity. They had no more capacity to complete the sales, which was needed because of this prophet writing this letter. And so finally, he comes in agreement and says, calls him and says, we're going to buy the property and we're going to build on that property. So I believe this, that someone has to see it. There has to be a Walt Disney. Come on, somebody. There has to be a group full of Imagineers that can see it. And you and I, as citizens of the kingdom, how many knows that we're here to show society an alternative script? We are to show them an alternative script. We model what marriage is like. Come on, somebody. We model what joy is like. We model what happiness is like. And so that is our job as citizens of the kingdom, to model a life that is desirous, that is to be desired and to show the alternate script. Michelangelo said this, I seen the, mar I seen the angel in the marble, and I carved to see it free. So he's, he, most people sees a boulder or most people sees a piece of mar, marble, but Michelangelo sees an angel inside the marble and I carved to set it free. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read uh, the first, uh, let's go to the first three ver verses. Now faith brings our hope into reality. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. What? Faith is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were, were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's word. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to that for all that is seen. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. This is a conversation in our house. How many knows we all struggle sometime to guard the words of our mouth. James says that although a ship being very large, it is controlled by this little bitty rudder, and whichever way you turn that rudder, that is the direction of that ship. Come on now. And so one of the things Isaiah talked about in Isaiah chapter 6, when he had the vision of the glory of God, he cries out and says the whole earth is filled with God's glory. How many knows it, it, it's... The whole earth was not filled with all of his glory. But in the place and the realm of God where he was at, he saw the earth filled with God's glory. So in that text, he said, I dwell with the people of unclean lips. I live in the midst of a people with unclean lips. It is, it is it's hard for us to live in society and not become affected by which the people around us. Are you with me now? We embar we're bombarded with the news, and sometimes I can be a news junkie, but how many knows that the news is not pumping faith in us? The news pumps fear in us. Come on, somebody, because fear sells. And it's, and it's easy if you're not careful, we'll begin to feed out of the wrong trough and we will begin to speak not the things of the kingdom, but the things of the natural world. And you and I have got to stay at a place in prayer like Martin Luther when he believed the message that God gave him and the vision that God gave him that by grace alone we're saved. And he nailed a 95 thesis to the door of a church and went to Germany. He said that he had to stand in the mirror and preach to himself lest he himself forget. So you and I dwell in a people, 
Everybody's not going to read the letter and see cobblestone streets in Adel. But, but by God's grace and mercy, we will be a group of people, come on somebody, of imagineers in the kingdom of God, believing who we are in God as royal beloved identity, sons and daughters of God, and realize we're not here to wait on the rapture of the church. All right. Now, we're going to skip some of this for time's sake. Luke 2.19 says, let's read this in Luke chapter 2, verse 19. So we got the power to frame something. Do we got the power to frame something? We call the, we call the, the, the seen realm is to be impacted by the unseen, the words which come out of our mouth. God help us, and I say this for the one holding the mic, help us to speak by faith the things which you desire to have in this region. Help us to be people that plant with our mouth, that uplift with our mouth, that encourage with our mouth, not to tear down. Listen to this. This scripture, Luke 2.19, says that, how many knows that it's, it's the story where Mary is overshadowed by the presence of God, and Gabriel releases this statement to her, a young virgin, that you're going, to be, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Now, notice what she does. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. Often pondered what they meant. Other words, the word of the Lord went into her heart. She didn't just receive that. How many knows that you can receive an awesome prophecy? You can receive an awesome prophecy, but just because you receive it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You've got to steward the word of God in your heart. You've got to steward that. And, and, and this is what she didn't just hear it. She stewarded what was released into her heart. And so, listen, the word of God, according to Matthew 13, of the parable of the sower is like seed. It is where we get the English word sperm. It is the seed of God that goes into our heart. He gives three conditions of the soil that determine the outcome of the seed that's going to happen there. Come on now. And so when the seed comes in our heart, what happened is Mary pondered over that seed, which was a prophecy. Come Come on now, it was a prophetic word. How many knows Graham Cook says this, that, uh, that prophecy is, is history written in advance. I expect to see at the decade in 2029, I expect to see with my natural eyes what I pen sitting at my desk that does not exist yet. Why? Because I believe in the power of God's prophetic word. My job is to remind myself what I heard in the what I heard on the mountaintop and what I heard in the middle of the when I heard in the light, come on somebody, and not doubt it in the dark times. Oftentimes we receive the word of the Lord and that your life will intercede seasons that are contrary to what God is saying. Until the word came to pass, Psalms 107 says that the word of the Lord tested Joseph. This is why the Bible instructs us out of all the gifts, he says, despise not prophesying. Because if you've been prophesied over for any length of time, you will get an opportunity to despise it. Because God don't bring everything to pass within the first 12 months. How many has carried some words for a while? So she ponders these things. She ponders them in her heart. She keeps them fresh. And what happens is a word that was spoke from God took root into her life. And the gestation inside of that word produced life into her womb. And this is how she brought Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus into the earth. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. When people lack vision, they lead unrestrained lives. Helen Keller said it's a terrible thing to see and have no vision. Listen to this. When people catch a vision, they will keep the law. In other words, they will restrain their options to apprehend their vision. Vision gives pain a purpose. If you like, if you like me, you're slightly bulging. An overweight person goes to the gym to get in shape. The morning after his first workout or her first workout, they are so sore they can hardly get out of bed. It is a vision, listen, of a great physique that will now give that pain a purpose. It is the vision of the great body that will give the pain a purpose. On the other hand, listen, it's very difficult to get skinny by hating being fat because reacting to a negative rarely creates a positive. Now, without vision, 
God's holy intentions lay buried in disembodied spirits. His words never become flesh, and his righteous purpose remain, imprisoned in the small minds of those who refuse to dream with their creator, and instead bury their talents in the hard soil of complacency and comfort. It is a mission that inspires passion and zeal, while vision provokes the perseverance and sacrifice. Now, you heard me say this a couple weeks ago. But I want to read this fable of three bricklayers, all working on the same long wall. Someone came up to the first man laying bricks and asked, Sir, may I ask you, what are you doing? I am laying, I'm lying bricks, he snapped sarcastically. What does it mean? What do, what do you mean? What does it look like I'm doing? A man approached the second bricklayer and asked, What are you doing? I'm building a wall. That's what I'm doing. Finally, the onlooker approached the last Mason, finding him hard at work laying bricks with exceptional excellence and speed. Mister, could I trouble you with a question? What is it that you are doing? The man asked in admiration, still hard at work. The bricklayer answered, I'm building a great cathedral for God. Which Mason would you want working for you? One that believes he's just simply laying bricks? Some people, listen, the hardest thing we're fighting this morning in our community is people believe they're just going to church to knock out a service. I believe what we did in this building during worship this morning was far beyond just the walls of this church. I believe that when I write my tithe check, I'm not just tithing on the income that I made this last week. I believe that I'm sowing something into future generations that I myself will never see. That my seed, seed, seed is the poverty's broke off of their life because I live a generous life. Come on now. We're not just in here laying a brick one by one. We're not just in here knocking out a service. Every time we come into the presence of God, we leave this place changed. Or let me say this, we have the opportunity to leave this place changed. In the old covenant, they went to the temple, they walked in one way, but they left another way as a prophetic sign that we cannot come into God's presence and stay the way we are. Some of us walked in this room this morning bound by fear and anxiety, but we will leave with great joy, excitement, and hope. Why? Because we understood this morning that the Father knows where we are. He knows us. He knows every detail of my life and he is very intimate. He desires good for me. Hope to give me a future and an expected end. Not right religion has told us that God is angry with us. That because of our sin we've been separated from God. I want to tell somebody here this morning, sin does not separate us from God nor that it does it take the grace of God away from us. That's good. Oh Lord. I feel I'm priming a well a little bit. That's all right. We'll do that. Let's look at this in Numbers chapter 13. When we begin to see it. Numbers chapter 13. Now think about this. When we read this, you know exactly, uh, all the Bible readers in here know exactly where we're fixing to go in this text. But what I want to say to you is you got to understand that Moses is trying to get slaves to see the promise God has for their lives. People that are enslaved lose their ability to dream. You with me now? People that are stuck for a long time sometimes lose their ability to dream. And sometimes we buy into the lie because it's been this way for a long time. It's always going to be this way. I don't believe it's always going to be this way. And like I said Wednesday night, we're not here to talk about, we're not here to preach about what was. We're here to preach what is and what will be. We're not here to talk about what was. It doesn't matter what, what, what it was in the 80s. It doesn't matter what it was in the 90s. We're right here in 2019. Come on, somebody. We want a present move right now. How many believe there's a word right now and a present move right now? Now, in Numbers chapter 13, this is Moses, and, Mo, and, the, and the Lord said to Moses, saying, send, me, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm, going to the, uh, which, I'm, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, and all of the men who were the heads of the children of Israel. Let's skip down to verse 17. Then Moses sent them, sent them to spout the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up to the mountains 
and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like the camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether they are forced, whether they are forced, they are not. Be of good courage. Bring some of the fruit of the land. Let me just stop right here. In Bill Johnson's first book, in his first book, uh, When Heaven Invades Earth, he said this, that wise men will still travel for the anointing. Every time you travel, some conferences you go to, that's what you're going for. You're going to get the fruit of something. You're going to spy out something. You're looking for somebody that's further down the road than you are. How many knows that all of us should be in here reaching for something like that? You, <clears throat> you should have people in your life that are along, uh, further down the road than you are. How many knows if you want your finances to change, you got to stop hanging around poor people? you got to get some rich people in your life. With me? Now, there's two responses we can do. We can either sit there and have a pity party, we can envy or have jealousy over them, or we can lay all of that aside and say, let me glean in the corner of your field for a little bit and teach and train me. <clears throat> you with me? So they're going to spout out the fruit of that land. <clears throat> I thank God that I've lived in, that I've lived in small towns because that's just who I am. But I, think, I also thank the Lord that I've never had a small town mentality. Come on now. Miss Jeannie, she's from Phoenix, whatever. But uh, we were talking about it a little bit. But anyhow, listen, you can't, listen, you got to get outside the box. You, you got to get outside of Sparks and Adel and Georgia and see where God's moving. Come on, somebody. And one thing that I love that God is not confined to Redding, California. He's not confined there. He's not confined to Batesburg, South Carolina. He's not confined to Kansas City, Missouri. He's not confined to Hamilton, Alabama, or any other great place where God is moving. Come on, somebody. The same God that resides with Heidi in Mozambique, come on. The same God that is in Africa with Reinhardt Bunky, Daniel Kalenda, C. Fanna, is the same God right here this morning. Are you with me now? So, so here's, he, he's sending them out into a land to spy it out. Now, he's, he's bringing, he's, he's trying to awaken their five senses with what is the possibility that, that God is speaking over their life. God is speaking over their life that I'm going to give you a land which flows with milk and honey. God is giving them an inheritance. Look at your neighbor and say, my God, you got a massive inheritance. If your, if your natural parents did not leave you anything, your heavenly father left you a massive inheritance in Christ Jesus. And it is for everybody that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a massive inheritance. But listen here, we ain't got time to unpack all this. this little, but only sons and daughters will ever walk in the inheritance. Slaves and orphans will never inherit anything. And let me tell you, God doesn't have grandchildren. He don't have. He don't have step He don't have stepchildren. He only has sons and daughters. And our identity has got to rise up to that place to really believe we are son and daughter of the King. All right. So He sends them in. We're just going to trust that I can, I can halfway quote it. So he sends them in to the land. Joshua and Caleb are with him. Joshua and Caleb get held up 40 years because the other 10 did not believe in their identity. They did not believe in their identity. They brought the grapes back. And there was grapes beyond what they had ever seen or imagined. They could not even imagine the size of the harvest that was in this land. And God said they could have it. And when they came back to give the report to Moses, and he looked, Caleb looked at Moses and he said, the land is exactly what God said it is. Man, there's a harvest in there like we have never seen. Yes, there's giants in there, but we are the children of the Moses. Most high God. Listen at his identity. We are God's people. And God opened up the Red Sea. Come on, somebody, to help us get over here. Every battle we have ever faced, God has come through on our behalf. And I believe that we are more than able to take the land which God had given us. The other ten said the sons of Anak are there. There's giants in that land. And he said we are but like grasshoppers in their sight because we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. 
if we don't listen, if I don't see myself as beloved identity and I don't see myself really as a son of God, I don't believe anything I wrote on that paper is even halfway possible. But if I believe that the God of heaven and earth is my father and he really does own the cattle of a thousand hills and he really does the heart of the king rest in the hand of the Lord that all I got to do is stay at a place of obedience and prayer and honor to God and God will begin to turn the things in which we need. We're like grasshoppers. We're grasshoppers in their sight. And so we are in our own sight. How you see yourselves, how you perceive yourself is how I will perceive you. If you see yourself limited, you're going to live limited, friend. Are you listening listening to me? How you perceive yourself is big. You're not a grasshopper. You're God's chosen child. Listen to this. A man without a vision is a man without a future. And a man without a future will always return to his past. The ten that was with with Joshua and Caleb saw the giants. Joshua and Caleb saw the fruit. I'll tell you what the fruit is. You want to know what the fruit is in that land? The fruit is is the school systems I wrote about in that land. The, The fruit of that land is that fathers are now back in households. Come on, somebody. That's the fruit of the land. What's the fruit of the land? Poverty and the curse of that systemic generational poverty being broke off of this city. That's the curse of it. I mean, that's the fruit of it. What's the fruit of it? It's people believing that good restaurants could come in this town. Man, I'm telling you, we're limited. We're limited. We're limited. We're limiting the people of God by the little puny messages we're preaching in our churches. It's time that somebody climb out of the mountain, uh, climb out of the valley of despair like Martin Luther said, and get on the mountaintop to herald something fresh for a generation. My God. Movements are always birthed by dreamers who first envision life as it ought to be and not as it is. We as kingdom people model a life that can be. We show the world an alternative script of life. We show what life is like in the kingdom as we live submitted to the king. George, George Bernard said, Shaw says this, some, me, some men see things as they are and ask why. Others dream of things that never were and ask why not. I want to read you this speech right here. This was given to show you the power of a vision stroked on the, on the hearts of men. I want to read you the, the, the dream that Dr. Martin Luther King quoted on August the 28th, 1963. And we pray this 5% holds up right here. Dr. Martin Luther King is one of the best examples of someone who saw the world the way God intended it and altered the course of American history. On August the 28th, 1963, Dr. King imparted a vision for the equality of all races to an entire generation of people. Here's a portion of the speech titled, I Have a Dream. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friends, and even so, though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. Let me just say this. The day he's reading this speech, they are still as bound as bound can be. Come on, somebody. But he is prophesying from another realm. Are you with me now? When he is reading this speech, he is not looking, hoping for something to happen. He's already seen something something happened. My God, are you listening to me? He's not praying from, when we get this, we won't pray little mini prayers like we hoping to pull some lottery stick that God's going to do something. We realize we are son and daughter planted in this region to get an agreement with heaven to prophesy that thus saith the word of God over this region, over our families. Come on, somebody. Let me just say this. All of you are living a life as the result of what has been prophesied over you before you ever got here. And I Our job is to prophesy over a generation that we will never see. Oh, my God. Listen to this right here. This, I, I, I am, it is deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out of its true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia that sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at a table of brotherhood. That has already happened. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with 
with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day in Alabama with his vicious racist, with his governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right here in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. That is happening today. Come on, somebody. It is happening today. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. The crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to, uh, to the south with. This, this, with this faith, we will be able to who out of the mountain of despair, the stone of hope. With, the, with this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. He's painting with a brush with every word that is uttering out of his mouth. He's painting it into the hearts of people as they stand there bound with this man under the unction of the power of God prophesying over them. They are seeing something new written in their hearts. They are believing all of a sudden with those that says it can never happen. Those that seen the racism of the South. Come on, somebody. All of a sudden, standing there in that moment, there's belief that enters their heart that, oh, my God, there could be a day that we could all sit down and eat together. There could be a day that we could all go and worship together. That is the same thing I'm telling you this morning that I want to do in this place. Even though you leave and you go out to these restaurants for lunch and you see everything that is lacking in this community, but all of a sudden, Something else comes into your heart. There's a word from heaven coming in there that the glory has come to Puddleville. And with every every vacant property you look at, you don't see the vacant property. You don't see dog fennels. You don't see grass coming up. You don't see trash on the property. But you see something built, some architectural, something amazing built that we can go enjoy. All right. Listen to this. I just, I just want to, I just want, I can't, I'm on, listen to this. This is not before, this is the night before he died. April the 3rd, 1968. He said, I left Atlanta this morning. As we got started on the plane, there were six of us. The pilot said over the public address system, we're sorry for the delay. But we have Dr. Martin Luther King on the plane. And to be sure all of the bags are checked and to be sure that nothing would be wrong with the plane, we had to check out everything carefully. Let me just say this. The devil ain't about to harass nobody talking about what used to be. He will harass somebody that's talking about what's going to be. The devil hates vision. One of the best, I told Terry this the other day, one of the best things I've ever heard uh, talked about the spirit of religion, and we talk about religion being a lot of things. We talk about religion being long hair, you know, I mean, uh, long skirts, no makeup. Let me tell you something. We can be in churches just like this and be bound with more religion than they are. Religion is not a style. Religion is simply this. In Daniel chapter 7, it says that he intends to change the times and the seasons. What religion does is to keep us bound in the previous system when God, with the previous season when God is building a whole new season. And what you got to understand about pioneers, pioneers have to build ahead of the curve. And I say it like this. When the Industrial Revolution was was happening, there was more in place to support the carriage and the horse. There was no gas stations. there There was no tire shops, even though that was a fading glory. Because Henry Ford was building something new called a Model T. And we were no longer going, that, that's why the engines are called horsepower. Because he was, he was prophesying, telling you, this has 20 horsepower. My Model T is stronger than 20 of your horses. Come on, y'all. But there was more structure, in, there was more structure to support the previous season than what was happening in the new season. 
I understand that some of the things we're preaching may sound crazy and the things that we're talking about may sound crazy, but, but it's just because we're entering into some, uh, we're, I'm just telling you that God is doing something different. The cities are, are, are the heartbeat of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but through him the world may be saved. How many knows that the harvest is on the heart of God this morning? And they're flocking, they're, they're flocking to the cities. So what's going to happen is the mindset of the people has got to shift from we're here to build the church. Nowhere in the scripture does it, does it instruct us to build the church. The Bible says, I will build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Who builds the church? God, Jesus. What do we build? We build the kingdom. God builds the church and the laborers, the church, builds the kingdom. Let me tell you what the kingdom's not. The kingdom is not cornerstone. Cornerstone can exist. The church exists in the kingdom, but it's not the full kingdom. The kingdom is God's ruling sphere of domain. Wherever God's, wherever God's ruling. Wherever God's ruling, no sickness is there. Come on, y'all. We got 10 minutes left in the fly. Can you make it? Come on. There's no, there's no depression in God's ruling sphere. So we're to be citizens of what? The kingdom. And we give people an alternative script. We model what life is like to live under the influence of the king. Because you can't have a kingdom if you don't have a king. Jesus shows up in the manger. He causes people to rise and travel to find the star to call him a king in the manger. At the end of his life, Pilate writes up the letter to hang on the cross and said, the king of the Jews. He starts out as king and he ends as king. And when he comes back, he's not coming back as some wounded servant. He's coming back riding a stallion. Hello. Come on, y'all. All right, y'all let me know when I say something encouraging. All right, listen here. Look at this. I want to go back to this right here. Go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read this out of uh, Passion Translation. Out of Mike. Where is that? Is she gone? Okay. Hey, crank that up, what I got to bear, that, that, that instrumental I use. Acts chapter 3. Piano player's already gone to lunch. <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> hey, Lord. I'm cutting up. All right. <laughs> hey, you feel good in your soul? Listen to this. I don't believe. I don't believe that we're haphazardly walking around down here trying to find the will of God you know how like man especially growing up in Pentecostal church we struggle for so long God what is your will what's the will of God for my life I believe what David said in Psalms all my days were recorded in thy book all I got to do is love him and I'm never going to miss his will I ain't really got time to tell you this, but you can. There is a place in God called friendship that you get that He actually wants to do what you want to do. When Solomon dedicates that temple, he stands up and says, This was never in the heart of God, but it was in the heart of my father David. They had such a relationship where David would say, What you want to do? God said, I want to do what you want to do. But what I'm trying to tell you, everything that you hear coming out of me was prophesied long before I ever got here. God, get this right here, y'all. 
the stuff that's in your heart that you want to see accomplished was prophesied before you ever got here. So we got a job to do. We got a job to hear the voice of God and release it over a generation that is in the womb of some of these children that we'll never see. All of a sudden, you got to think, a hundred years into the future, a dream wakes up in the side of a young person. And where did it come from? It come from the place of prayer released out of the mouth of God's people. A hundred years from now, someone moves the sparks. And I don't know why I'm moving here. I just feel like God said to move here. I don't understand what's going on. I, I don't know why God said go back to this little place and called Adel. I just don't understand it because something was spoken years ago. Come on, y'all. And look at this out of Acts chapter 3. This is where Peter and John are going to the temple for prayer. They see a man laying at the gate called Beautiful. The King James, the new King James renders that he was laid at the gate called Beautiful. After he's healed, it says he was laid at the beautiful gate. There's some things we call them beautiful in our lives that ain't right quite beautiful yet. But helps on the way to make it beautiful. This guy, Pete, they, he's asking alms. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold have I none. But what we do have, what we do possess, we give unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And he snatches him up. And this guy's instantly healed. This guy runs into the temple leaping and praising God. Now the people are trying to figure out logically what just took place. You with me? And so Peter feels like he should exhort the people and give an explanation of what just happened. Now let's join in. Look at verse 24. In fact, every prophet from the time of Samuel, Samuel, onward has prophesied of these days. My God. Has prophesied of these very days. And you are heirs you are heirs of their prophecy, of their prophecies, and of the covenants God made with your fathers. When he, prom when he promised Abraham, your descendants will bring blessing to all the people of the earth. Now let's read it again. In fact, every prophet from the time of Samuel onward has prophesied of these days, these very days. And you are what? Heirs. Recipients. You've inherited who? Their prophecies. When Jamie Tuttle was here in this, in this altar, what did he say? I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, there's a 50-year-old prophecy laying in this dirt. I wonder how many words are hanging over cities all across the nation that God's just waking on, waiting on somebody to wake up and recognize what is underneath their feet. We, we wail at the altar, God, would you do something? I'm telling you, He's already done something. God has done everything he's going to do. He did it in the life of Jesus. He left heaven. God, help me. He left heaven. The God of glory had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to talk. God, omnipresent, omniscient, God, Elohim, creator of heaven and earth had to learn how to talk. And he modeled a life of a man, according to Philippians 2, humbled himself and became a man and showed us what a man under the influence of heaven through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what could be possible on earth. 
Peter said, we ain't just happened to come by this tabernacle today. And the miracle you've seen happen today, it just didn't just happen to happen. There were prophets long before we ever showed up that were prophesying of a people. Y'all, come on, listen to me. With the little language they knew how and what they could see, even Malachi talking about the priest and the Levites, he's talking about a New Testament believer, and he said, the Lord shall come to his temple. Come on, somebody. This is what he's prophesying in Malachi 3. Suddenly the Lord shall come to his temple. Who is the temple? Not temple made with man's hands. We are his temple. And he's coming to sit and live in them. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to sit among them like a refiner's fire, and I'm going to separate all the dross from their life so that they can be as pure gold. You are heirs of those promises. What has, listen, every time, Gary Brooks, I'm just going back in my lifetime, what I remember, we were laughing about that last, some of Gary's stuff last night when he prophesied over Dayon as he sung to her. And he said, Dayon, you have the gift of administration. Yeah, it was Gary, man. But let me tell you something, every word, every utterance that was under the, under the inspiration of God that was uttered into this region is still alive, just like the man was standing here uttering it. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you something, whatever God, whatever God says is eternal. It never dies. And let me tell you something, the reason why God don't speak a whole lot is because every time he opens his mouth, he creates, son. He is creating every time he opens his mouth. Look at this. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to Psalms 110. And I'm finished right here. We, we, we're going home, but I'm, I'm done right here. Go to Psalms 110. He said, "What you, we inherited something. We are recipients of their prophecies. So what are you saying? What are you saying, Pastor John? I'm saying that... Oh, let me see where this is at. Huh? Psalms 1-3. Okay, right here. Look at this. Verse 3, your people will be your love offerings. In the day of your mighty power, you will, you will be exalted. And in the brightness of your holy ones, you will shine. In the brightness of your holy ones, you will shine. As an army arising from the womb of the dawn, anointed with the dew of your youth. If Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, says it's a seed, it's the word of God, seed, sperma. Here's the womb in Psalms 110.3 that this seed is entering into the womb. Come on, somebody. This is talking about a gent. Listen, y'all, y'all, don't look. I don't know if I'm articulating it or 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 saying it correctly or putting the right language to it. But listen to me. What he's talking about is a generation is going to rise out of that womb. Hebrews twelve. Hebrews twelve. Since we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, just closing down the hall of faith. All of these. All of these. Jephthah, Shammah, All of these different ones. Rahab. All of these ones in God's hall of faith. He closes with this. And these all died, yet not having seen the promise fulfilled. Yet without you and I, you and I. What God's still working on the original story. Come on, somebody. It's all His story. It's all his. Come on. We just play the cameo roles in the, in, the, in the movie in our time and season in life. All these, the great grandstand of heaven is looking over saying, come on, church. Romans 8 says that the earth, see, global warming ain't got nothing to do. Hello. Don't shout me down. Global warming ain't got nothing to do with carbon monoxide going into the atmosphere. Global warming in the earth's problems has everything to do with Romans 8. It is groaning for the manifestation of the mature sons of God to stand up on the earth to call it back into existence. Hello? It's looking for the atoms, not the first atom. 
but the last Adams. Jesus is no longer, I'm just messing with your theology. Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God. He is the firstborn among many brethren. We are now the sons of God. And I'm telling you that the things that we're going to see unfold is the result of words that have saturated this region. When there was the horse and the carriage riding through this region and nobody knew it would be called Sparks and Adele or Puddleville, all they knew it was territory. There was someone praying, God, would you do something in this region? God waits throughout time. And he waits till he finds a people that says, my God, this is a people right here to see things outside the box. They look crazy. I mean, they blow shofars, wave flags. I mean, up there dancing and crazy. I mean, this might be a people right here that can really, really press in and see something accomplished. I want to tear down in your mind this right here, that the earth is not getting worse. It's getting better every day. I know Fox ain't going to tell you that. CNN show ain't going to tell you that. And God forbid, don't watch MSNBC. That's just for me. You want to take my counsel. They're already off cliff. You with me? I'm not going to buy into the lie that racially we are divided. We're proving what life in the kingdom looks like here this morning. Hello. And we will prove, and you know what? All across America, our churches prove that. Father, fill our hearts with dreams and vision. When, I, when I'm with the Lord, I said, God, God, help me, because he knows I need a lot of help. I said, God, help me. Help me to dream bigger than I've ever dreamed. See, what you don't understand, what you guys have in here, I'm just going to brag on us a little bit. And we got, I'm not beating up people that's not here. A lot of people not here this morning. I understand life, okay? I'm not beating nobody up that's not here. But what you see happening in your midst is not normal. We talked about this last night, the work that we were in some 10 years, getting close to 15 years, that you just can't find it in your city. What are you talking about? There's churches in the city. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm talking about a place where God can just be God. If we want to lay down for 10 minutes, we can lay down for 10 minutes. Do you realize that this is not everywhere? Most folk going to hand you the bulletin and tell you at 1105, pastor's going to preach. At 1151, he's closing the service out with benediction. At 1153, nobody came to the altar. We're going to eat. That's never been in my heart. It's always been in my heart to want to. I love the excitement with God. God, what do you want to do today? Now, we're going to have a flight plan. Come on, somebody. But the destination is the glory of God, wherever that's going to take us. Hello. And I've always had the privilege of having great teachers in my life to show me that there's more, there's always more, there's always more, there's always more, there's always more. And the things that we see happening on a global scale like with David, what is it, David Kathy? No, Dan Kathy, Truett's son. A lot of the transformation that you see happen don't come through preachers. It comes through business people and marketplace. Because why is that? Because most preachers, <laughs> most preachers bound by poverty, And, and don't dream like this. Don't have a vision for the city because they're trying to build the church. You with me? But we're going to see the marketplace explode like you've never seen in your life. I said we will see the marketplace explode like never before. The businesses that is in this house will explode like never before. The things that God is putting in the hearts of the people 
want a coffee shop, want a breakfast shop. We need something else to eat besides chicken and Mexican food. I mean, I appreciate Don Julio's. I was glad when that come in. But after 7,000 meals at Don Julio's, we got to have something different now. You know what I'm saying? My children speak in Spanish now. Just for meeting the Don Julio's. <laughs> then the other night, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis. <laughs> huh? Ava's speaking Spanish. Real good. She preaching it now. That's from Don Julio's, just eating the food. She ain't did no Rosetta Stone. That's just from supporting the restaurants. It's going to happen, folks. We're going to see it happen. Father, we thank you for this day. Raise your hands. I just want to bless you before we leave. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for every word spoken over our lives and over this region. We thank you that the, that the womb in this region is slam full. It is pregnated, it is slammed full, and there is a people that is arising outside of that womb that will walk in power and demonstration of the kingdom. I thank you that beloved identity is going deep into our hearts. We will no longer wander like orphans, and we will no longer live under the bondage and fear of the enemy. But perfect love will cast out all fear, and it will shatter that off of our lives. And I thank you that that love of that, of that assurance whereby we cry, Abba, Father, our Dad, our Father. And so, Lord, we pray the blessing of God upon this city. For you told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, seek the prosperity. Seek for the prosperity, pray for the prosperity and the peace of Jerusalem. And in it, in it, in the city, in it, you will have blessing and prosperity. And how crazy in the 32nd chapter of Jeremiah, when he's in prison, and you speak to him in prison, and you tell him your cousin is coming today, and I want you to purchase and buy his land. And most people thought he was crazy sitting in prison, spending all his money to buy a piece of land. But yet, God, you had a plan because you said there will come a time where you will build houses, you will plant vineyards, and you will have families, and you will be blessed in this very land. And so, Father, we thank you for the vision being painted in our heart and our ability to buy the field and our, for our ability to buy and purchase the field now before we see anything with the natural eye. But yet we're moving by faith from what we hear from heaven. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. We're moving by faith from what we feel like God has said. Let it be the last year that peanuts is planted in the field behind us, God. Let the vision go forth, Father, that you have destined in this region for years. We say yes. We say a, a yes. We say a resounding yes, God. Yes, yes. It is time. It's now, Father. Right now, this is it. And so, Lord, we thank you that throughout every PB&J sack lunch we are handing out into this community, that the darkness is being penetrated. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for people of hope, people of great joy, leaving this place empowered by the Spirit of the living God to demonstrate the kingdom. Help us to show this community an alternative script. There is a better way. There is a new way. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you most of all, God, that for the people of God that have not lost hope, we're still here. Sometimes that's the greatest testimony. I heard T.D. Jakes preach one time. Sometimes the greatest testimony is, by gosh, I'm still here. I've had every opportunity to throw in the towel, but yet I'm still here. I had every opportunity to quit and never come back, but yet I'm still here. Come on, somebody. And the fact that you're still here tells me that God's got a plan and a purpose. You with me now? Don't get, listen, don't get, don't get bogged down like, like he was encouraging Manny. Don't get bogged down doing the every, everyday stuff. This is how it's going to happen. It's not going to happen because God's going to send a sonic boom to blow over. You understand that? It's going to happen by every day, doing what you can, what doing, just walking with the Lord every day. When he said, when he sent them out to preach, go preach, it means as you go, as you go about your daily life, preach the gospel. You ain't got to have a pulpit. As you go, 
she's telling us about prayer cards. I'm telling you, he's a real charismatic people. Got five gallons of oil in the trunk. Car, a real deal right here now. I'm cutting up with him. They're going to get me. Listen, she's telling me about this card she got. And she said, where was you at? What city? The Pittsburgh. When you was in Pittsburgh? Yeah. She said she used that card every day, these prayer scriptures. Whatever. They train charismatic, devil casting out, pew jumping, devil dumping, Bible, Bible thumping people right here now. You with me now? As we go preach the gospel, as we go preach the gospel, when you drive in our city, you stick your hands up and you shout great grace to it. Grace, grace unto you. What are you, old mountain, that you shall stand before Zerubbabel? For the, uh, the, my, come on, somebody, for the plumb line is in the hand of Zerubbabel. I'm telling you, God has released a plumb line, uh, and, and I'm telling you, it's here. We're about to build something, y'all. I said, we're about to build something. I said, houses about to be built. I said, lands is about to be bought. I said, business is about to go up. Father, we thank you. Paint it strong on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here Wednesday night. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week. Amen.